0: Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, enjoy today's message. How many of you, you already feel like you're getting better through this? Is this helping you? You're getting better, you're growing, you're developing. I know for myself, I am. If this was only for me, I'm becoming a better pastor because of this series feel like God is showing me the places where I need to change, the areas that I can improve, areas where I need to grow and develop. And he's not just showing me those areas, he's helping me to make the change. That's what's so good about our God, is he doesn't just point out to us where we need to change, but he gives us the power to change. And as we're continuing in this series today of growing and developing, the test we're looking at is the wilderness test. And when I said that at our west campus, everybody groaned because I think like there's there's some of us that are going through that right now or maybe um, you're hesitant for me to talk about it because it seems like you can identify yourself in each one of these tests that we're looking at. But in order to understand the wilderness test, what you gotta understand first is that in scripture, God's blessing and God's presence is often illustrated or depicted with water. If you look in scripture, you see, it talks about God's presence or God's blessing like a river, like an oasis, like a stream, like a flow, like a drip. You thought that was a new word, it's been in the Bible, dripping, you just didn't tell somebody God's dripping. All right your pastor's dripping, tell somebody you're dripping. If you don't know what that means, just find somebody who's laughing, all right? I'm telling better jokes than you are laughing at, let me tell you right now. But as we get into this, it's helpful to understand that. On the flip side, when scripture talks about uh, being distant from God, being alienated from God, times of distress, times of doubt, Uh, On the flip side, it describes that with language like a desert, like dryness, drought, or a wilderness. So if that would identify with where you're at, you're gonna get something out of this today. Now, when we're talking about a wilderness, what we're talking about is a drought or dry season in our lives where things just don't feel as vibrant as they used to and I wanna help you not to feel guilt, not to feel shame like there's something wrong if this is what you're experiencing because like we're learning with every week in this series, this is only a test. Doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, doesn't mean that you've missed God, doesn't mean that you made a mistake, this is only a test. And what we witness with every wilderness experience, whether we see it personally or we're looking at it in Scripture, is that this test comes to see if we're going to depend on God and make the necessary changes to move on to the greater thing that God has for us. Now, there's lots of Scripture that I could show you that would illustrate this, but to set us up for today and for our time together, I want to look at primarily two passages of scripture. And the first one we're gonna look at is in Deuteronomy. The second one is in Isaiah. Now in Deuteronomy chapter eight, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel and he's reminding them about the wilderness that they've gone through. We're gonna pick up in verse 15. And this is what he says to them. Talking about God, he says, he led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock, not the hard rock cafe, a literal rock. He brought water. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end, it might go well with you. So, Why does God bring us through a wilderness? So that in the end, so that for the next thing he has, it'll go well with you. It's a test. He's got something greater. He's got something better. But in order to get there, you have to go through here. So Moses is reminding and they're remembering But in Isaiah, it's a little bit different. Isaiah is a prophetic book. Isaiah was a prophet. He would speak to the people of Israel about future events where he's speaking. Uh, This is long past the exodus. These people, the Israelites, they're now in something called the exile. They're in Babylon. And where we're going to look is in chapter 43, verse 19. This is what he says. Speaking on behalf of God, he says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I want to use these verses today to talk about how God makes a way when you're in the wilderness. I want to show you how you can pass this test. And to do it, I'm going to title this message. For those of you who are taking notes, if you want to write this down, This message is called dry run, dry run. You know what a dry run is, right? It's a test. It's like a rehearsal before the main event. In fact, the dry run is actually a test for the purpose of mitigating the effects in the event of a failure. You know, if you make a mistake during the dry run, it's not as costly as when you make a mistake for the main event. See, the wilderness is actually a blessing. And that's what we're gonna see as we go through this series today. So I wanna pray, it's always my custom to pray before we get into God's word. I believe that you need God's help. I know to get up here, I need God's help. So would you bow your head with me and let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that in the midst of where there's opportunities to stay home, you got a bunch of people that came because we wanna grow We want to get better, we want to learn, we want to pass the test. So God, I ask that you would use me today. Lord, speak through me. Help me communicate clearly. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind to receive, a heart to understand, all the things you want to say to us today. God, I believe you will. We thank you for it, and everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how many of you like new things? Anybody like new things? I, I like new things. I love new things. I'm all about the new. My wife really loves new things. She loves sparkly things, round things that are like gold and diamond and, you know, those kind of things. She likes those. I'm, I'm into new things, though. I mean, I like the look of something new. I like the feel of something new. I like the smell of something new, you know what I'm talking about? Something smells new, like you're just unwrapping the packaging, and it's like just smells new. I, I love, I even like the taste of new, like, I want to try something new. I, I love new. That's why it's funny that I'd be doing a series for seven weeks because generally, by the time I'm at the third week, like, I'm all ready to get on to the new thing. I, I love new things. I've threatened to trade my kids in for some new ones. I love. <laughs> New, but I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. A lot of you seem to be like me where you like new things. As much as I like new, one thing I don't like is road construction. Does anybody here like road construction? I think that I brought that up because in this verse in Isaiah, he says, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to make a way in the wilderness. One translation says, I'm gonna make a new road in the wilderness. I like new, but I don't like new roads. I don't like road construction. It's a painful process and I think so many times we're so destination driven in our mind of where we wanna be and where we wanna to get to that we forget the process that it takes to get there and sometimes the process is very painful. I know what I'm talking about because in my neighborhood this summer they were redoing all the roads. Talk about a wilderness. It was like a post-apocalyptic civilization. There was heavy equipment everywhere, cars parked on yards, big chasms in the middle of it. It was crazy. I hated it. it was, you know, I thought, you know, I was living in the end times. And uh, the problem is if we want to get to the greater We wanna get to what God has for us. It requires going through a wilderness and the wilderness is the process that God uses. The truth is, to move from where you are to where God wants you to be, that process is often marked by wilderness. Should rename our growth track Wilderness Training except nobody would want to go to that. (laughs) But that's the truth. And I, I say that because if you're in a wilderness today, this is going to help you. If you've been in a wilderness, this is going to help you understand why you were there for so long. And can I tell you, if you haven't yet been in a wilderness, you had better take notes today because you will be you will be. There is no one who has ever done anything great for the kingdom of God that hasn't gone through a wilderness. Anybody that God uses goes through a wilderness season. I just made a list of some of the ones that I was thinking about. Of course, we're talking about the Israelites today. That's a really famous one. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, but there's others. There's Jacob. He was in the wilderness. There's Joseph. He was cast out by his brothers in the wilderness. Moses, he tended sheep for his father in law in the wilderness. Elijah had to live and hide out in the wilderness. David was hunted by King Saul in the wilderness. Job, the entire book is about his wilderness experience. John the Baptist was a guy known for living in the wilderness, he was kind of crazy. Paul, before he wrote two-thirds in the New Testament, did all his missionary journeys, he spent three years in the wilderness. Even Jesus, before he launched into his ministry, he had a wilderness experience. You know, Jesus' wilderness experience is kinda interesting if you know much about it. You can, it's in the Gospels, but one of them you can look up is in Matthew chapter four. Verse one, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's crazy. You mean the Holy Spirit, our guide, our comforter, our counselor, the one that God gave us to help us in times of trouble, he led Jesus into a wilderness? What's even crazier is it says he led him there to be tested and it makes even less sense if you know what happened right before it. Because if you know what happened right before it, that's when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, commissioned, set apart for his ministry. It wasn't like just any old baptism though. What happened was the clouds parted, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. I don't know what it looks like, but apparently it was visible to people. God spoke from heaven audibly. Everybody who was there heard it. And this is what he said. This is my beloved son. In him I'm well pleased. Can I tell you, if God did that for me, I would tell you I don't need any other credibility. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I had God audibly speak so everybody else could hear it. He anointed me and appointed me. I'm good. But Jesus' clothes aren't even wet, aren't aren't even dry. He's still wet from the baptism, and the Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness. Why? To test him? To prove him? Let me tell you, if Jesus had to go through the wilderness, you, my friend, If you want to be used by God, you are going to have to go through the wilderness. But here's the good news. You might want to write this down, that if he led you into it, he will lead you out of it. He's not just going to lead you into it to keep you there. If he led you into it, he'll lead you out of it. Unfortunately, a lot of people stay stuck there and don't make it through the process. And I got to explain why. Because when I'm talking about wilderness, what I'm talking about is a dry season inside yourself. I have to clarify that because if I don't, you might think that when I'm talking about wilderness, I'm talking about you're on the verge of bankruptcy, you might think when I'm talking about wilderness that your marriage is hanging by a thread. You, you might think when I'm talking about wilderness that it's some kind of outside external circumstances. Now, it can be, but if the wilderness shows us anything, it shows us that sometimes our situation can be doing a whole lot better than our soul. That, that's why people stay stuck in the wilderness. Because it's not what's going on around them. It's not what's going on on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside. And it's, you can almost stay comfortable because things on the outside, they may not be great, but you can tolerate them. They're not that bad. But on the inside, you can look like you're winning on the outside and you are weeping on the inside. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about wilderness. Now, the wilderness that the Israelites went through, when we think about that, probably what we think about is how long they were there 40 years wandering around, 40 years not making any progress. But what you might not know is that it was only supposed to be an 11 day journey 11 days from Egypt. To Canaan. Eleven days. God brought them out of Egypt, brought them through the world, the, the Red Sea, baptism, brought them to Canaan, and Moses, he has this idea, it's strategic. He says, Hey, let's confirm God's promise. Let's let's send some people in there, make sure it's what he said. Let's get a strategic, you know, position, figure out the best way to do this. He sends in 12 spies, and they come back, and they bring a bad report. Doubt, disobedience derails their destiny. That's what the enemy always tries to do, by the way, while you're in the wilderness. Gets you to doubt God's promise, disobey God's command, and derail the destiny that he has for you. And so they come right up to the edge, and they don't go in. Why? All because of how they responded to God's promise. And here's the truth that you need to know when you're in the wilderness, is that how well you respond will determine how long you remain. How well you respond. Are you going to trust God, or are you going to doubt? You're gonna be obedient, you're gonna do your own thing. How well you respond will determine how long you remain. See It's the exact same thing we see with Jesus' wilderness experience. The enemy was trying to get him to doubt if you are the son of God. Try to get him to disobey. Hey, turn this, turn this bread into stone. Turn this stone into bread. Turn, make this happen. Take matters into your own hands. It's always the same thing. So you get to decide whether your time in the wilderness is going to be temporary or whether it's going to be terminal. Everybody has to go through it, but you decide whether you're going to stay there. And Isaiah gives us a key to moving forward. He says, look, if you're going to move forward, you're going to have to change. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. See, something new by definition, means that there's change involved. That's why I like new things. It looks different, it's upgraded, it's better, it's improved upon. It's a different version than the one that came previously. I like new, new by definition brings change. And here's the thing, you cannot have progress without change. Now you can have change and not have progress But if you're going to have progress, it's going to require change and it's going to require the right kind of change. I mean, if I want to make some progress in my diet, which I have very little progress to make. Thank you. I receive that in Jesus' name. If I want to make some progress, I need to make a change. But it's got to be the right change. If I say, okay, I'm not going to eat. Krispy Kremes anymore. I'm going to change from Krispy Kremes to Dunkin'. That's change, but that's not the right kind of change for a lot of reasons. Everybody knows Krispy Kreme is better anyway. So you got to have the right kind of change. And in the Exodus story, the Israelites, they wanted to change everything except for what they needed to change. They wanted to change everything but their attitude. They tried to change their leader. They wanted blamed it on one another, they blamed it on God, they blamed it on their situation, they blamed it on their ability, they blamed it on everything except the thing that they needed to change and what they needed to change was their mindset. Their mindset was the problem. They were actually at the border of their blessing and they couldn't even see it because of their mindset and we can be so destination driven in our mind that we can actually arrive at where we want to be, and never even know that we made it. Complaining about your job, that two years ago, you were praying that God would just give you an interview there. Complaining about all the stuff that's on your plate. And a year ago, you would have thanked God for the opportunity to do half of it. Complaining about your kids, And they're the very answer to a prayer that you prayed. You can you can actually arrive and not realize that you've arrived because of your mindset. So let me say really clearly to you right now that if you are in a wilderness, what you need to change is not your job. What you need to change is not your spouse. What you need to change is not your church, it's not your leader. It's not your team. No, what you need to change begins with you, and it begins with your mindset. That was the problem for the Israelites. God wanted to take them from slaves in Egypt to settlers in the promised land, but if they couldn't shed some wrong thinking, they would never survive in the promised land. The wilderness was part of the process. Now, A lot of people think that it's not fair that they would have to go through the wilderness, but the wilderness is a thing God uses to distinguish those who are going to be used by God and do something great for God and those who aren't. I heard an old country preacher say one time, the wilderness weeds out the saints from the yaints. It's the distinguishing factors, how you respond in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness, it's a place of death. It's a place of dying, but it's not meant to kill you. It's meant to kill off all the things that cause you to stumble in your walk with God. Because before you can go forward with God, there's some things you have to let go of. There's some things that he wants to strip away from your life that aren't helping you. And the greatest battle between where you are now and where God wants you to be is the battle between the old and the new. See, the wilderness is not just about the new thing that God wants to bring you into. It's about the old thing he wants to do away with. So let's take a look at Isaiah. We'll back up just a little bit. Verse 15 It says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. I'm going to ask you to hold off just a minute because I got like 30 more minutes. Did you come to have church today or did you come to just chill out? So you can hang up here if you want to, but it's going to be like at least a little bit. All right. Now, here in this, he says, see, before I can do a new thing, there's some old things you got to let go of. And that makes sense because lots of times when we think about this, like we we get that if we live in our regrets, if we live in our past where we're reliving all of our dumb decisions or our you know poor behaviors, all of our past mistakes, if we live in that, well, we're gonna be paralyzed by our past. So it makes sense that there's some things we gotta cast aside. There's some things we got to move on from. And the good thing about the cross of Christ is that it gives me the freedom to move on from my past mistakes. I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. That's good news. In fact, I've preached a whole series on moving forward called it forever forward, one of the guiding principles of our church. Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on toward what is ahead. Forever forward. I can preach that. That's a good message, but that's actually not what this is talking about. Did you notice that? Let's just look at this again. He says, this is what the Lord says. He made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget those things. What? Why are you reminding me about that only to tell me to forget it? See, Isaiah isn't talking about their past mistakes. He's talking about they're miracles, they're miracles. See, sometimes we think the barrier between where we are and where we wanna be is what we're experiencing currently. But Isaiah says, your greatest barrier isn't what the devil did to you. Your greatest barrier isn't some mistake you made in the past, your greatest barrier is what God did for you that you expect him to do again. I hope you get this, this is gonna help you so much. If you're in a wilderness right now, if you see this, it is gonna help you. See, there's times where you need to move on from the mistake, but there's times where you need to move on from the miracle. God doesn't want you to rely on the memory of a miracle. That's why in Deuteronomy, He says, hey, when I rained down manna from heaven, when I brought water out from the rock, when I did all these things, there was a cloud by day and there was a pillar of fire by night, when I did all of this stuff, that was brand new to your ancestors. They never even knew that. And I'm gonna do a new thing in your life. See, if the wilderness shows you anything, it's that God can provide for you and wants to provide for you in new ways. He has all sorts of ways to get his miracle in your life, all sorts of ways to bring his provision into your life, all sorts of ways to make things happen. So stop telling God how he can and can't bless you. Stop telling God how he can and can't feed you. Stop telling God what he can and can't use. What if God wants to bless you in a completely different style, in a completely different way? Well, what if God wants to do something so different in your life, there's a new thing he wants to do, but you won't receive it because you're expecting it to look like the old thing that he did. See, the greatest barrier to God's blessing, the new thing, isn't what's before us. It's what's behind us. We're expecting God to just keep it on repeat. God, just part the Red Sea again. Well, there's no Red Sea in the wilderness. That was the old thing. God wants to do a new thing. You look at the ministry of Jesus, he would heal all sorts of people, work all sorts of miracles. But you know, he never healed people the same way twice. He would always do it differently. Why is that? because he didn't want people dependent on the how. He wanted people dependent on him. He didn't want people reliant on the system. He wanted them to rely on the source. So God will make a way in your life, but he's not gonna do it the way he did it before. So we ask this question. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? What would keep me from perceiving the thing that God wants to do? Probably if I'm expecting it to look like the old thing he did, like what he's already done. If I'm expecting God to speak to me in the same way. God, I used to be able just to open up my Bible and you would give me goosebumps. He's not going to do that for you anymore. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature. He wants you to learn to depend on him. He wants you, he doesn't wanna have to make it obvious for you, he wants you to be sensitive to a whisper. He he wants to lead you in a new way. But if you keep looking for him to do it like how he used to do it, you'll stay stuck in the wilderness, going around and around and around. Plenty busy, but no progress. Lots of activity, but not accomplishing anything. So if you're wondering, God, when is it gonna happen? How is it gonna happen? Where is it gonna happen? God, when are you gonna speak? God, I I need you to show up. I need you to tell me something. I wanna tell you this. If you will get to know him, You don't have to know how. If you'll lean into him during this time, forget the miracles. Get to know me. Get to know him. Used to be loud, now it's soft. Used to be specific, now it's broad. Used to be all about you, now he's talking to you about others. He he wants to speak to you in a new way. And when I'm in that place where I don't know how, I don't know when, I've learned that it's not my job to predict the way that God's gonna make. See, I've learned that in the wilderness, even though the preparation might be uncomfortable, even though his provision is faithful, even though it's providing for me, even though the provision is unusual. One thing I've learned is that his presence is unchanging. I know the wilderness is marked by a dry place. I know it's marked by a desolate place, but his presence is still with you in the wilderness. God was with the Israelites All those 40 years, providing faithfully, showing up in the day, showing up at night. He was faithful. God loves to show up in your transitional moments. He he loves to show up in the in-between places. He loves to reveal his presence where you're just passing through. You might not even know why you're in Lawrence, Kansas. And God wants to show his presence to you in a powerful way like you haven't known before. That's what God does. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to depend on him, not on how you think it should be. So don't get stuck in the wilderness. Don't give up just because it looks different, just because it feels different, just because it seems different. Because... If you're longing for how it used to be, you're gonna miss it because you're not going back there. God is taking you into someplace new. And I wanna pray for every person here that has found themselves in a wilderness, maybe recently, maybe right now, maybe as I'm praying, God designed this message specifically for you because he's trying to get your attention. And he's trying to say, I haven't left you. I haven't forgotten about you. I haven't even neglected you. I'm just preparing you. This is the dry run. This is the thing you got to perform well in. You got to prove yourself in this to get to the next thing. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to say a prayer